And now, presenting the Star of the Show podcast with your host, Delaney Swift. Welcome back to the Star of the Show podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Swift, and I'm really excited to share with you our first ever guest, Colette Wetzel. Colette is not only a friend, actually we tell the story of how we met in this episode towards the end, so definitely stay tuned for that, but she is a business owner, entrepreneur, she is a creative through and through, she is the founder of Cultured. Cultured is a grazing catering service in the Austin, Texas area. They provide custom displays of cheese and charcuterie. You can also shop on their website for more individual one-offs for specific occasions. You can also reach out to Cultured to cater an event, create a grazing table for any event like a wedding, a bridal shower, a bachelorette, a company happy hour or a corporate event. The list really is endless. I'm telling you these displays are beautiful. If you know me, you know that I'm not the biggest cheese fan. I'm actually slowly starting to try different cheeses. I know this is a really weird fact, but these boards seriously make me want to be a cheese person because they're so stunning and so beautiful. And honestly, I want her to do an event for me. So (laughs) I highly encourage you if you're in the Austin, Texas area, or you're going to be for an event to look up Cultured ATX, that's the website, or to reach out to Colette on her Instagram, whether it's her personal Instagram or her business Instagram. There's lots of beautiful content to be seen from food or fashion. She is seriously such a creative person and I love her style and her touch on just everything that she does. This conversation was so fun and I'm so grateful for her for being my first guest. We talked about so many things and honestly, this whole episode is filled with juicy nuggets. We talked about everything from starting a business, moving to a different state with little to no plan, changing career paths, being a dreamer and just going for it. We talked about finances and getting out of a lack mindset. I think so many of you will find this helpful. We talked about tuning out the noise and changing the limiting beliefs that you have inside your head so that you can really thrive. And we also talked about not following your your competitors on social media and tips for aspiring entrepreneurs. So I think you guys will get a lot out of this episode. I know that the audio is not the absolute best. I'm working on it. I'm still at the beginning of this, so please bear with me. I think it actually turned out pretty pretty well. So enjoy. I think you will find so many good pieces and parts from this episode, and I'm so excited for you to listen. So without further ado, please welcome Colette Wetzel to the Star of the Show podcast. Colette. Welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Hi, me too. I'm so excited. This is so fun. I know. I'm pumped. It's so fun me because we just saw each other in Austin. Mm-hmm. But here we are again on the pod and I'm pumped because you're my first guest. Yay! Oh, I'm I'm honored. <laughs> and I'm happy because like you're my friend, so it's comfortable, it's fun. Um, but I feel like you have such a unique story and I'm so excited because I feel like it will inspire a lot of people. So you obviously you have your own company called Cultured. 
um, which is a grazing catering service, right? Yep, exactly. So I know you built it from the ground up and I want to get to that, but I really want to talk about like all the way at the beginning. So did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? What did you want to be when you grew up? Like, tell me about, about your childhood. Yeah. Um, I don't think I always knew I wanted to start a business, but I definitely remember the idea coming to me in high school for sure. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I've always known I'm a super creative person and I've always known that I kind of work on my own timeline, my own schedule. So a lot of structure actually isn't the best for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I really wanted the freedom of owning your own business. Um, And I think I told you this when you were in Austin, but in college, I took an entrepreneurship class. I studied fashion in college, um, Mm -hmm. went to Florida State, studied fashion, and we had to take an entrepreneurship class. And at the end of the class, you know, at that point, I knew that I had I wanted to start a business, didn't know what it was going to be. But we had we took a little quiz for fun um, to, to kind of gauge whether or not you would be a good entrepreneur. And the answers that I got were like, absolutely not. You would be a horrible entrepreneur. And I just remember like laughing at it and being like, OK, no, just just wait, I'm going to do this. But I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. And it definitely took me some time and trial and error to kind of getting to the place of um, even coming up with the idea of cultured. Would you say that's like the pivotal moment that you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like, do you think that there was any thought in your head of that beforehand? Or were you kind of like, let me prove you wrong at that point? Yeah, it. I think it just solidified and it was very much, let me prove you wrong. I'm going to do this no matter what. I just didn't know, you know, what that was going to be at the time. You know, it was going to be in the fashion industry, but, you know, obviously it's not, it's in the food industry. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, obviously, you were a fashion major. Like, at the time, did you think that you wanted to do something in fashion or create a fashion line? Like, what were you thinking in your head? Were you the type of person that always had, like, those business ideas, like the notes app full of ideas on your phone? Yeah. What, did, I, what were you thinking? I actually wasn't. I feel like I was always racking my brain, like, what could it be? What could it be? But I never was the person that had like 50 million ideas. And, you know, I, I was never really like the inventor type, um, which is probably why I got you will be a bad entrepreneur <laughs> on that quiz, because I'm I'm not that wasn't really kind of how it came to be for me. It more was like I was following the little footsteps of what excited me. And eventually that led me to starting my business. And we can get into detail with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we talk about that? Like, what was the steps? Because, I mean, I was obviously you're my friend and I know a little bit about culture, but I was stalking your LinkedIn to like see what your timeline was. So can you tell us like a little bit about your timeline of like, when you graduated college and kind of where your head was at then and kind of the trajectory of jobs that got you to this like initial idea and to where you are now. Yeah. So I'm from Florida, grew up in Florida, went to school, Florida State, studied fashion. Um, I never really loved Florida on a like personally. And so I knew after graduating that I really didn't want to stay in Florida, but I didn't know where I wanted to go. Um, part of my program, I had to do an internship. So I went back home to do an internship and it was an incredible experience um, doing marketing for a fashion brand. So that was a blast. And we actually, it really, that led me to, um, we did a lot of events. 
So that led me to realize that I actually really like events. I really like putting on events and curating them and inviting everybody and the whole experience of, of it all. Um, so after that job, I actually took a cross country road trip to kind of figure out where I wanted to land, stopped through Austin, immediately loved it and kind of just came back, um, a couple weeks after my road trip ended, no job, no apartment, just kind of figured it out. I didn't know anybody. Um, and just got a job in retail, just wanted something. So I got it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you kind of moved there on a whim. Like you were like, I'm just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had, well, I actually didn't know I was going to stay. I, my plan was to come for two weeks and, you know, job hunt, apartment hunt. Um, but did you stay alone or were you with friends? Stayed, no, I stayed alone. I stayed in an Airbnb with this lady who was a character. Um, oh my God. Cool experience. And I stayed with her for like two weeks. And at the end of that two weeks, I actually got the job and found an apartment. Um, and so I, in the drive from Florida to Austin was absolutely brutal, especially because I was by myself. It was, you know, more than 15 hours on the second leg. So it was, it was rough and I, I did not want to do it again. So I just kind of decided to stay. So I did with my like one bag and, and pillow and then started working and had no furniture, you know, just figured it out. Um, so I worked in retail for a little while. Um, I had two retail jobs. And then at the end of the second retail job, I was, I had no money. I mean, I was dirt broke. Like I was more than paycheck to paycheck. I was z bottoming out every month. Um, and it was brutal. It's, it's just, it's really rough when you're that broke. It, it yeah, sucks. I've been there. I, I know. <laughs> it really sucks. Um, so I, I just kind of got fed up with it and I got fed up with myself and, and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't break through that barrier, why I couldn't find a way to make more money. Um, so I kind of took a leap of faith and I left my apartment and I decided to actually move to Montana for a summer. And I, at that point, actually, I had conceptualized cultured. So at my last retail job, I had so much free time. It was a very like leisurely type of job. So I came up with the idea then. Um, and actually, I'll tell you kind of how that came to be. So study fashion. One of my favorite brands in fashion at the time was Spell and the Gypsy Collective. And they were an Australian brand or they are an Australian brand. And they would put on these incredible events. And since I knew I loved events and I knew I loved fashion, I really liked how they blended those two worlds and they put on these just extravagant, super fun events. So I was loved like looking at their blog and I wanted to recreate them so bad, obviously didn't have money to do that. So I just had to be inspired by it. Um, but they actually started the grazing table, table trend in Australia. So that's where it kind of started. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I kind of saw that happening and I wanted to recreate it. Um, so I did. I just did little platters here and there for friends. I asked the store that I was working at if they would let me provide food for their events. And they did. And, you know, I charged very, very little, just basically enough to cover the food. I was only doing it for the store I was working at. They would sometimes let me do it. So it was just me chatting with my manager, it out, kind of. me chatting with my manager and saying, Hey, can I do the food for this event? And her being like, okay, yeah. Cause she knew that I wanted to start this business. Get into um, so yeah, at that point I had conceptualized it. So I left and moved to Montana and then I came back 
to Austin. And in when I was in Montana, I actually, since I knew I wanted to get into the food industry, the job that I selected was to be the assistant for the executive chef at a really high-end resort. Um, and so that really taught me a lot about the catering industry, about the food industry, about the back of house. Um, it really just taught me a lot about, and also just luxury events. Um, I think that is just really great information to have, um, especially because my product is more of a luxury product. So that really helped me lay the groundwork. Um, and I got to I got to learn a lot. I got to shadow a little bit with the chefs. Um, so that was a blast. And then when I came back, I think I have the timeline right. I just um, I made an Instagram for, for Cultured and I did a big table for a family event, posted a few pictures and got a DM very quickly from a local company in Austin asking if I would cater their holiday party for 100 people. And at that time, I literally had $200 in my pocket. Like, that's it. And I spent all of the $200 on the table. And I think they paid me like the day after the event or something. So I just I was like, literally like fingers were just crossed that no bills would come out or whatever it was. Please don't let me overdraft this. <laughs> it was so brutal. I was like biting my lip the whole time, but it was a hit. The table was so much fun um, to do. Now I obviously charge a lot more than $200 for a table for a hundred people, but yeah. um, that was my first experience with it. And then kind of from there, I made a lot of connections at that event, luckily. And I worked with that company. I still work with them. They're amazing. And yeah, it kind of just started from there. And, and I was still working full time. I got another catering job in Austin. Um, and then at that point, I really learned the ins and outs of the Austin catering industry, weddings, all of that, all of the event venues and made a lot of contacts. And I did that for a while while I still built up cultured part time. Um, and then, yeah, with the with 2020, I decided to go full time. So it's kind of a long story and it was very no, drawn out. It. Yeah, it took me a while, but that's kind of the transition of how I went from fashion into food um, and slowly just did my best to teach myself what I needed to know to have a successful food business. Yeah. yeah. Did you always know that like you were interested in food or was it truly just from like kind of getting this inspiration from these two? What was it again? Um, Gypsy and what was the other one? The brand was called Spell and the Gypsy Collective. Spell and, and the Gypsy Collective. That's oh, it's all one brand. Okay. Yeah, it's brand. I yeah, need to look this up afterwards. Their stuff is awesome. I have like a few dresses. They're very cute. I need to go look in style. Was this kind of what inspired it all? No. So uh, I have a huge family and my mom always cooked a lot growing up and I always wanted to help her in the kitchen. Like I just always want, it was like, put me to work, let me do something. Um, but I, I wasn't necessarily a natural at it. Uh, my sister was more the natural at it. But I always wanted to be, and I think I always felt frustrated that she always put me on like salads or whatever. And I think just over time, I really just realized how much I loved it. Um, but I think that that's really did that really is like where it started was kind of at home in the kitchen with my mom. That's incredible. I feel like when you look back, though, it makes perfect sense. Like yeah. if you've ever heard of, you, do you know who Lauren Bostic is from the Skinny Confidential? Slightly. I don't think I've ever listened, but. 
Okay, so she, if anyone listening has ever heard of her, she always talks about how when she was a kid, she loved scrapbooking. And then she started blogging. Now she has the podcast and she has these products. And she had no idea how she was going to turn like scrapbooking into a career. But now it almost like is another version of that. And I feel like from you loving fashion and like curating things and Mm -hmm. then like loving being with your family and like being around the food and just like having that be something that like gathers everyone together. I feel like it meshes so well. It actually makes a lot of sense when you think of it that way. Yeah. And the con the whole concept of a grazing table to me was really a way to bring people together at an event. I think I had a tagline for a while that was, um, what was it? Bringing together, bringing people together to, um, experience, just to experience joy. I can't remember exactly how I had it, but to kind of experience joy together over a huge table of beautiful food. I mean, it immediately sparks conversation. You, everybody's gathered around and snacking and it's a great way to meet new people if you don't know everybody. And I always loved that it was almost a community builder. Definitely. Yeah. It's, I feel like that's an easy way to talk to people too. Like if you go to something and you don't know them, mm-hmm. you can like bond over like, oh my God, this is so good. Or you're standing next to them when you're grabbing the food or something like that. And you have to talk to them. It's yeah. like an easy conversations conversation starter. Yeah. And it's a statement piece for the event as well. I mean, it's kind of a big piece of art for your event. Yeah, exactly. And that comes back to how I feel like you're a very creative person, like the way you curate your things on Instagram and just with your brand, like the branding is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So for people who are listening, go check it out because it's seriously beautiful. But I feel like that is, it does make a lot of sense, like with your like fashion and merchandising background that you would put that same level of like effort and curation into your brand. Um, But I want to know, like, I want to back up about a few steps. Like when you first moved to Austin and even maybe like when you were first starting cultured, what were your like family and friends saying or thinking? Cause I know you mentioned when we saw each other that, you know, your family was really sad when you left Mm -hmm. and you have a big family, but when you decided to make the move to Austin, were your family, your parents, were they like, come back? Like, don't do this. Don't go. What was the vibe then? Yeah. I mean, they were supportive, but you know, my parent, my dad, especially he's like, okay, when are you coming back? And I, I'm like, dad, I don't know. I've lived here five years. I have a business. I live in a house. You know, it's, I can't just come back now, but that's just their sentimentality or whatever that word is. And all of their have moved away um away from Florida anyway so I think they just you know they were very close and so it's hard for them to be empty nesters in some aspects um they were very supportive though you know they were really the ones that kind of helped me you know even get the confidence to do something like moving to Austin alone when I brought the idea up to them they were very much like helping me with the practicalities okay you have to have a job you have to have an apartment. How do you think you're going to afford this? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and so they really helped me kind of think logically because I think I tend to just be a dreamer and think that I can do anything if I just, I don't know, dream dream hard enough and, and make it happen, which can be true. But you also have to be logistical sometimes and you have to think about the reality of things. Hence why I was so broke for so long. I but roll. I'm like, like 
<laughs> so I think the same way. <laughs> I know. I think it's great. I'm I'm glad that I'm that way. I'm glad that I let myself my mind wander and create opportunities for myself. Um, I don't think I would be here if I didn't have that mindset, if I didn't think that anything was possible in those regards. Totally. I mean, I relate to you so much on that because like my family was so supportive when I moved, when I wanted to try and start a business, like, but of course they're going to have those, Hey, you know, you need to get a job. You need to make sure you can pay for this. Like they had the reservations. Mm -hmm. I'm moving to a city that costs like double or more what I was paying previously when I was living in Ohio. And like it it's frustrating to hear when you have like this like but I'm telling you it's gonna work like I have this dream it's stuff like that you might need to hear but for someone who like really is a dreamer it's like okay but I agree with you like there are so many people in my life people I know know of that love them but don't have those same types of mindsets and for so long, I feel like I tried to dumb myself down so that I would be like normal or I'd be just like everyone else and be content with, you know, the life that I was living. Mm -hmm. But I'm happy that I am this way because it means that I'm ambitious. It means that I want something more that I think outside the box and I'm willing to like live my life and be creative. And I feel like that's, you know, that's what you, what you do. You're a very like big dreamer, but you're, I mean, clearly you're very good at executing as well. So Yeah. And I mean, that reminds me too, when I first started, so I started this business when I was 23 and, you know, fresh into Austin for the most part. So I really didn't have a lot of career experiences yet, but I do remember my dad and he's more of a practical type. You have to have a full-time job. You have to have a full-time job. You can build this on the side, but you absolutely have to have a full-time job. And I just kind of remember being like, I don't think I can do both. I think that it's, I can definitely start building it on the side, but I can't be a hundred percent in two places. I just don't work that way. So the moment that I had the opportunity to say, okay, after a, a job ended in 2020, I had the opportunity to say, okay, I could go look for another job or I can take everything that I've been building and just dive in, put all, invest everything that I have into this business and see if it will, it will work. Because at that point, I feel like I did have enough validation and security that the product was good, that people wanted to buy it. You know, I, at that point I'd been doing it on the side for a couple of years and, you know, got a lot of compliments and got hired for events. So I think it was really just a matter of investing in it. And I learned you what you put into it is exactly what you get out of it and so that was kind of the the pivotal moment in 2020 when I was it's all or nothing absolutely and what month in in 2020 was this do you remember well so I actually it's funny so I had that catering job and I left that catering job and I actually got a dream job at the time it was I was doing marketing for a big departments, new, brand new, like innovative department store at the time. And they were just opening in Austin. And so I had been working with them for a couple of months and our opening date was literally the day everything shut down in 2020. So I ended up working from home a a lot longer. Um, and then they eventually let everybody go, especially the marketing events team. So that was about March of 2020. Yeah. So I think I 
I'm trying to remember. I, I think I opened up the website probably like that month or the next month. And just, I spent all of my free time doing things for cultured and getting good branding and taking every photo possible and finding ways to curate the products to, you know, for, for people to still want to purchase them even during a pandemic. So that meant individual portions and, and more Instagram and, you know, ways to stay involved that way. Yeah. I was wondering like how, what did that look like in 2020? Like, are you dropping this off for like people's parties at home just for one person, like a little intimate night in, like what's going on at that point? Yeah, it was a lot of individual stuff. Um, I made a bunch of smaller boxes, individual size boxes. So people love those for picnics and, and things like that. Um, and then I did individual cups. So those were really popular at the time. And people in Austin, I mean, after enough time had passed, I feel like people were a little bit more open-minded to smaller gatherings. So people would still sometimes order, you know, a small platter here and there. But it was, yeah, hand-delivering to their houses with masks on and dropping it at the door, no contacts, none of that. So yeah, it was definitely trial and error for a long time. Yeah, clearly it sounds like this was like a pivotal moment for the business. And honestly, I feel like COVID really helped a lot of people to like transition their lives and to be like doing what they actually want to be doing and to refocus and reprioritize. But when you were kind of adjusting at this time, were you using your connections? Were people messaging you on Instagram? Were they ordering on the website? Like, how were they getting in touch with you? How did they know about you at this time? I was trying to grow my Instagram a lot. So I was just putting everything into advertising on Instagram, making a ton of reels and just trying to connect with people on Instagram and sharing a bunch that way. And then I would lead them to my website where they could place an order or sometimes DMs or through contacts that I had or, you know, a lot of, I, at that point I did have quite a few contacts in the food industry in Austin. So word of mouth was a big one as well. Um, but yeah, I really was putting all of my time into Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's when reels and like video content really started popping off as well. I think so. It was, and that was like, things were skyrocketing with like video content then and like the views and things like that. And everyone's on their phones cause they're at home. So I feel like that was like a great time yeah. for that type of content. Yeah, And I had time. I mean, I won't say the business was full time by any means at that point. It was, I was taking what I was getting. I was pretending that it was full time. I was pretending that I could make full time money, but you know, I had like maybe one or two orders a week, if that, um, and I would get the occasional wedding or whatever. So it was very, you know, I was doing a very small amount of physical work, but I was, I was acting like I was work, working full time. You know what I mean? And I think, I think that was the key. Absolutely. I mean, that's what the energy like that you are giving off is like what people are going to pick up on. They're going to be like, Oh, like this girl's a boss. She's like, yeah. you know, doing this full time. This is her gig. Like this is what she does. This she's like the face of this. So they probably really got that vibe. Were people at that time, or around this time, were you kind of like in your head, what are you thinking? Like, are you thinking, okay, like I just got to go for this. Were you worried at all? Like what was in your head around this like period? I was excited and I was, I was scared because this is the first time I'd ever made 
any bigger investments. And that meant, you know, bills, accepting the fact that I was going to have more bills for the business, which was advertising bills and, you know, marketing bills, uh, my website, I would do Instagram ads, those types of things. And I think kind of, as you may have gathered from my past, I kind of had a little bit of a lack mindset when it came to money. And, and that was kind of a big block for me, which is why I was so frustrated when I couldn't get out of this cycle of paycheck to paycheck. So when I first started kind of investing in culture, it was scary, but I knew at that point that the product was going to be received well. And I also had a lot of ideas brewing. I think because we had so much time, I learned something about myself, which is that when I allow myself to get really bored, I actually get really creative from that space. When there's kind of when I open up space for myself to take a step back, not be so busy, that's when the ideas start coming to me. And in 2020, I think we were all really bored for a little while. And it helped me kind of get into that creative zone and get really, really clear on what I wanted this business to be, which was huge. I wanted it to be so big. I wanted it to impact as many people as possible. And I wanted people to be able to enjoy this product and I wanted it to be beautiful and professional. And I wanted them to enjoy the process from start to finish, you know, communication wise, all the way to them actually receiving the product and enjoying it. Um, and even after the fact. So I, I was, I became very clear. And I think that clarity really just helped me take those baby steps and eventually get to where I am now. Yeah. I love that you said that because I feel like I have been thinking that a lot more recently too. Like people need silence. Like they need to be bored. They need to be in the quiet. That's when I get my best ideas. That's when I feel like you can open yourself up to like open your mind up. If, if I'm listening to podcasts constantly or always have a show on in the background or always I'm listening to music, there's no way that I'm going to like have any mental capacity to think of a new idea or have my own thoughts, which isn't always like a good thing. Like I feel like I bog my head down with too much information sometimes. And when I have some silence, that's when the best ideas come. So I love that you said that because I feel like that's so key. Yeah. For even just people calling on Instagram. I mean, I'm so bad at it. I'm always, I need to be better. I'm so bad at it. I'm always scrolling on Instagram, but I've noticed when I try to take a step away from it, I, I feel like the ideas that come to me are actually more authentic to me and to who I am and to what I want to present versus what I'm trying to emulate that somebody else is doing on Instagram, which is more than likely not fully authentic to who I am. So even just taking a step away from that, stop consuming so much, sit in silence, and then you you learn what it is you actually do like, what it is you actually do want to do, what actually lights you up versus what you're doing for maybe validation or or because, I don't know, yeah, you're just bored and you, you need something to do. I don't know. <laughs> to numb your mind. Um, yeah. No, I, I love this. This is so relevant to me right now because I just, and I think I knew this for a long time, but I just heard someone say um, the best 
advice for entrepreneurs is to stop with the consumption because the, you know, creativity over consumption, I try to remember that a lot or create over consume. Mm-hmm. I think that if the like people use the excuse and I'm so guilty of it being like, I'm learning right now. I'm in this course. I'm, you know, listening to these podcasts. I'm getting information. I know all of the information I need to know. And probably 99% of people do know that all the information they need to know. And sometimes it's better if you don't, because then you can just learn by experience. And like a lot of times when we're consuming and we're seeing things that other people are doing, we think we need to do what they're doing and act on the things that they're doing. And it's just not like authentic to us. Like I took a week Instagram break and that doesn't sound like very long, but it was so rejuvenating because I was like taking pictures the way I actually wanted to take them. I went to like new workout classes. I like did new creative things. And I was like, this is so enjoyable. Like I actually have time to think my own thoughts and it actually like allows you to step back into that authenticity. Yeah. This, I, this, I don't know if this would be like controversial or something, but I actually don't really follow a lot of my competitors on Instagram I think I just can't handle all the noise of what everyone's doing. Honestly, I think I know the names of two other similar businesses to mine in the Austin area by memory, but otherwise I really, I don't follow anybody. I don't need to know what they're doing. I just think that that would put me in a comparison spiral and I'm really happy with where I'm at. I'm proud of my product and I don't think there's really any need to fill up my feed with what other people are doing, you know? So I think that that also helps me a lot. I really only follow people that actually inspire me um, through and through. And so I try to keep, I try to keep it pretty narrow on there. A hundred percent. I think that's such good advice for people, honestly, for anyone, but especially for entrepreneurs or people who are maybe doing social media. I try to do the same thing. And honestly, that was a huge issue I had at first was because I had similar interests to people, I would follow them and like their content. But then I'm like, this is so similar. Is everyone doing what I want to do? Like, am I just so unoriginal that like, I, you know, should just stop this right now and give up. And that's truly like what was in my head. And I think that's such good advice is like, just follow the people who don't have anything to do with what you're doing or who actually inspire you unfollow or mute the people that don't inspire you or doing the similar things to you because it just I feel like it just bogs down your head with information you don't need yeah totally that helped me so much just like not clogging up my mind with just what other people are doing yeah yeah I'm, I'm curious too like you mentioned that at the beginning of starting out you were kind of you know, had this limiting belief with finances or you kind of had this like lack mindset. And honestly, I feel like I struggle with that. I feel like a lot of people do. What was the turning point for you or what were the the things that you did or what was that mindset shift that made you feel more confident or comfortable or step into that abundance? Um, it was, it was a lot of things. I will say the main turning point. So I do a lot of meditation and manifestation work. I do a lot of it, a lot of it. And it's really been a catalyst to getting me where I am now. And in that process, um, you know, there's a lot of meditations involved and 
And it really is all about getting down to your core subconscious beliefs. And at one point I realized that I was afraid of success um, in some ways. And it was more beneficial to me to be a failure or to be in the role of a failure because growing up, my, you know, I won't say that like I was ever compared to my siblings, but I felt that way a lot of times. And, you know, my brother was the smarty pants and my sister was the smarty pants and I'm the middle child. So naturally I'm the black sheep and I wasn't like them in a lot of ways. And so really the only way I could get attention from my parents was to not be as good as my siblings, because then my parents would be like, okay, do better. Like, and they would pay attention to me. And I think as a child, that's how I, that's how I coped with the situation. Um, obviously had no idea that that's how I was operating for so long, but at some point I did have that realization. And I think that was the big turning point for me. Um, and that was, that was early on. Um, probably that was, I think I realized that when I was still very much paycheck to paycheck. And then once I realized that I was like, no, I can be a success because I don't need that validation anymore. You know, I'm, a, I'm an adult now and I've got this figured out and I don't need that validation. And so I then allowed myself to start to succeed and yeah. And then it kind of went from there. That's so interesting because I feel like I've heard a lot of this recently and it's like, no matter how good of a job our parents do raising us, like, I feel like there's this talk about big T trauma and little T trauma. And I feel like you had a great upbringing. I feel like I had a good upbringing as well, but there's still these little things that happen to us when we're younger that like shape us. And it's funny because I feel like I had a great childhood. I had a great upbringing, but then there's still these little things that happened, whether it was at school or like with your siblings or things that you literally taught yourself that are influencing the way that you feel or think as an adult. And like, I was an only child and I hated it. It made me so insecure. My parents couldn't have kids after me. It made, I, I wanted a sibling. I wasn't into sports. I was a theater kid. So I felt like I was already, I already stood out a little bit and granted those aren't like major things, but I just wanted to do everything that was just like everyone else. And so I got into this trap of making excuses when I wasn't the best at sports or trying to be likable by everyone. And I feel like that put me in this mindset of like, just be like everyone else. Don't succeed. Like don't stand out. Mm. Don't make yourself like this big, vibrant, you know, energetic theatrical person that you are because people will notice. And it really got me into like this mindset of just dumb yourself down. And I feel like, you know, it, it played into finances. It played into, you know, a lot of different categories of my life. So I really resonate with that. I mean, I know it was very different situations, but it's like, there's these stories you tell yourself yeah. that have a lot to do with how we are as adults. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many of them that we're operating on that we don't even realize. And that's why I think like when there, when you're frustrated in your life or you're not making progress that you want to make, there's probably some underlying reason. I mean, if that, if that, if you feel blocked in one avenue of life for a really long time and you're frustrated and you really can't figure it out, 
there's some sort of unconscious story that you're telling yourself. And it just takes a little bit of excavation and self-work. Um, and it's not always pretty and it's not always fun, but it has opened up my life in ways that I never could have imagined. I feel like I'm living the most authentic version of myself that I possibly could be now. And I attribute that to doing this inner work and, and constantly asking questions, why am I this way? Or, or why do I believe this? Or, you know, whatever it may be. I, I really think that that's the only reason I, you know, at this point in my life, like, I feel like I'm an opposite human to the person that I was growing up. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's because growing up, I didn't feel like I could be this version of myself. And to your point, I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel like I could be this big, loud, whatever it is, version of myself. Um, you know, one of the things I, I work on a lot is one of my coping mechanisms is independence. And as I'm trying to grow this business, that means that I have to, if I want to scale, that means that I have to delegate some roles to other people. And I'm finding it really, really hard to invest in that. I don't know, maybe I'm scared of what's going to happen if it's no longer just me. Um, you know, I have help, a lot of help, but I think when it comes to taking this business to the next level, I'm going to have to, you know, figure out what that means when it comes to not being the only person that's running the show. And that's kind of scary yeah. for me. So. Well, I feel like when you let that in and you make that investment in yourself, that's when things really step up. Like then maybe you'll double what you're already doing or 10 exit and you just don't know until you make that, that step. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the biggest things that I learned was, like I said before, what you put into it is what you get out. And I really feel like every time I made a significant investment, it came back tenfold every time. So I know that that's the next step. And that's something I really want to do is just taking a little bit of courage and a little bit of time, but eventually I'll get there. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to make an investment in your company or in yourself, especially when, you know, it's things that you are, are not guaranteed. It's a risk. Like you don't know how it's going to come back. But I mean, I remember the first ever course I bought for my last business was a $300 YouTube course. And I thought that was so much money. I was like, this is ridiculous. My boyfriend was like, you should just do it. Like, yeah, I I'm telling you it will help. And I was like, okay. And I did it. And you know, I I'm not really doing YouTube as much as I was before, but I'm glad I did it. And then I invested in my business coach and it was almost $4,000. And that felt like a gut punch, but I wouldn't change it for the world because I feel like it taught me so many things and I got to meet so many people that I feel like it's worth it. But you know, in your, in your gut, like if it's something that you should or shouldn't be doing. Totally. I mean, one of my big investments last year was an accountant. So expensive, but so necessary. And it's helped me out so much, you know, it's, yeah, it's always that leap of faith and it's always scary to do. But to your point, if you know, in your gut, this is what's right, then it's going to work out no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious if you 
aside from, you know, some of the things we've already talked about, do you feel like there's any like ongoing challenges or have there been any like bigger challenges that you've been faced with since you've been self-employed? Like, is it a mindset thing? Is it something that you, you come across a lot or what are some things that you've learned from these challenges that you can kind of talk to entrepreneurs or people who are starting their own business? Like what are some things you've learned from, from these challenges? So much. I'm, I think, you know, taking it one step at a time, the number one thing that I would say is that if you're at a point in your life and you know, you want to start a business or you want to take the next steps in your career and do something for yourself, really make sure that it is something that you live and breathe that you dream about, that you love doing more than anything, because you're not going to want to wake up every day and do it. You're not, I mean, for me, there are mornings when I have to be at the kitchen at 3 a.m. sometimes. If I did not love what I'm doing to my core, I would not, I wouldn't be where I am. It would have died off, you know, in six months. But because I'm obsessed with it, because it fulfills me, I'm passionate about it, That's why I'm able to take step after step after step to continue investing in it and to continue doing the work every single day. And in catering, it's, you know, a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of physical labor, which, you know, for me, that was something that I knew that I could do and I knew that I liked to do. So there were a lot of aspects of it that I think, I just think my point is make sure that you are 100% passionate about it. I mean, I remember I knew I was passionate about it when I got my first job and I laid awake in bed the whole night before planning out exactly where I wanted to put every piece of food. And I had the map in my head and I was thinking about it nonstop for so long. And it was like that for a long time. Now it's just memorized in my head at this point, but I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm dreaming about this. I'm breathing it. You know, it's, it's my life. And I think that's the only reason it's been sustainable is because I've just been obsessed with it. So that's the number one thing that I would say, just make sure that you know, that this is, you know, an authentic passion for you. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of people I think go wrong and I'm guilty of this too, is like, Think about it like a nine to five. If you wake up and you feel like you have a headache or you're tired or you didn't get a good night's sleep or you had a fight with your boyfriend or you, you know, you have a family issue, you still have to show up to work like most of the time. Right. And if you are an entrepreneur, you can't just be like, well, I don't feel that great today or I'm not in it or I'm not feeling motivated or inspired today. Like you have to show up no matter how you're feeling. And I think that's a hard learning curve too, because it's like, well, I should feel so passionate and motivated and driven about this every single day, or it's not right. Like you have to just, it's all about being consistent, I think. And if, if it's something that you're really passionate about and care about, then you'll want to show up for it every single day. Right. And having, you know, good habits, I think also helps a lot with that. And having certain disciplines is really helpful, obviously, but I think the main thing is that you you just have to know in your core that you want to do this. And I will say it's hard to find if you're the type of person, like for me, how I mentioned before, I didn't have 50,000 ideas whirling around in my head of what potential businesses I could create. It was like I found one business and then I decided to make it happen. 
And I think a lot of people kind of, sh there, there was a lot of struggle before that, right? Of like, what is my purpose? Who am I going to be? What do I want to, what is my imprint on the world going to be? And it takes some time to figure that out. And I think for me, it was, it was a slow process of just kind of following the little, the little things that lit me up. So it was like, it went from fashion and then I learned that I liked events and then I learned that I really liked the food at the events. And then I learned that I really liked cheese. And then I learned that I liked this certain display of cheese. And then I learned that I actually liked making it, you know? So it was like little things led to one to the other and became this. And it's not like I just kind of had this idea one day and woke up and was like, this is the business I'm going to create. It was yeah. little things led to the other. And I think that's how we find our, our purpose in life is, is, you know, collecting those experiences and then allowing them to transform into, into, a, you know, however you want to express it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it completely does. And I, there's a saying that describes this perfectly. I, I don't know what it is. So I'll just like tell you basically what the sentiment is. Like when you're in the moment, these things are not going to make sense to you. It's when you look back and you, it, everything will make sense. Everything will look like a stepping stone and just like, remember that and have faith because one day it will, you'll piece the, you know, the puzzle pieces together. I remember when I was starting out and I really, really wanted, I wanted it to take off overnight and it didn't, right. I was doing it very part-time for a long time until I finally started to invest. And even then it still took a while to get, to become full-time. Um, and I remember thinking like, why is this not happening? Why am I not having overnight excess success? And looking back though, my God, I'm so grateful that I didn't have whatever overnight success even is. I don't even think that's real, but I'm so glad that that didn't happen because I would have been buried. I, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I wouldn't have been able to, you know, slowly build it up to what it is. It would have crushed me because I wouldn't have been able to handle it all by myself. You know, so that was the kind of final thought that I had on that statement. Yes. My business coach used to say, like, if you're at step one and tomorrow you're at step 100, you wouldn't know how to act because you didn't go through steps like two through 99. You don't know. You haven't learned lessons. You haven't had these challenges and you haven't like tested things out and learned like what works and what doesn't. So I think that's really good advice because we're in the era of overnight success like one day someone can have a hundred followers and tomorrow they can have a hundred thousand followers so everyone thinks these things come overnight but I mean I try to remind myself that all the time my favorite book is um shoe dog almost forgot the name shoe dog by Phil Knight the Nike founder he went through so many iterations of Nike before it became what it is and it was over years and like decades so I think that's great advice because it's hard to remember when you're in the moment, but you need the lessons that you're learning over time. Yeah. And enjoy, enjoy the in-between, enjoy the space before, enjoy where you are now because it's, you're not going to have it again. And it's a really special time when you're just in creation mode and you're choosing who you get to become. And that's really exciting. True. You'll probably miss it one day. Yeah. I want to get into some rapid fire questions. Okay. So hopefully you're ready for this. I don't know. We'll try. <laughs> okay. 
What is your favorite comfort show? Um, I definitely think Friends, which is so basic of me, but I've seen every episode like 40 times. I feel like that's a good one though. I feel like that's a lot of people's and honestly, I wouldn't answer that, but it's also a comfort show for me. I also am loving Ted Lasso, obviously. Oh, yeah. That's a new one. Right. Yeah. Um, a pop culture moment that has shaped you. So like, for example, Xenon or like Lizzie McGuire and Lizzie McGuire movie, like that shaped me. Like that's something that I remember as being like pivotal in my, my elementary middle school years or like the Britney Spears and Justin wearing the like denim, all denim. I don't remember what show they were at or what award show it was or event, but. I don't think it's a moment, but Vanessa Hudgens. So when I was in high school, I was so obsessed with her and she was also my like body icon because she was so, well, I felt like she was just so, she like was a little bit curvier. I, I, that might, I don't know. Yeah. But for me, I loved how she embraced her body type and it really inspired me to do that. And also her style in like the 2010s really, I was like, oh my God, I'm a boho girl now. I'm a Coachella girl. Now I would wear like crazy, like bohemian jewelry every day to high school. <laughs> like, it was insane, but I feel like that did impact me a lot. Okay, that's so funny. <laughs> I don't know how this like was lost on my mind just now, but Vanessa Hudgens was like my biggest girl. Honestly, she still is my biggest girl crush in middle school and high school. High school musical like changed everything for me. <laughs> that cute. Yeah, that they were really cute together, and her dating Austin, they were really cute together too. <sighs> I know it's like I love that she's happy she's engaged now but Austin Butler like marry me <laughs> I know <laughs> we were so cute together their style together oh my god oh. yeah I loved it I loved her style and I just love her whole like energy she's just like fun and like carefree so and carefree. that entire- yeah listening to her talk now or on podcasts or interviews she just is such like a light-hearted carefree soul I know we can all use a little bit of that. Yeah, a modern day boho girl. Yes. <laughs> the next one is what's your guilty pleasure? Oh my gosh. Can I say shopping? Yeah. Is that, say that? Shopping? Oh, okay. Wait, this one's embarrassing, but I'll say it. Okay. I, lo- I still love Tumblr. I love it. Wow. <laughs> I love Tumblr. I love, it's like for me, it's like my Pinterest. Like I just, scroll and I have like a certain like blogs I guess that they're called that I just go on and I just like reblog stuff and I put it on mine <laughs> I love that I love, you know, love it it's so fun I forgot that tumblr still existed so honestly yeah. I need to go check it out I used to be obsessed yeah I was obsessed in high school and it never really went away I mean I don't use it all the time but like it never really went away from me I just love it I just use it for photos and aesthetics and stuff is there an app <laughs> Oh, yes, there is an app. Wow. Okay, I'm going to look this up. That's not embarrassing at all. I love that. Honestly, I feel like we don't want anyone to blow up Tumblr because then everyone will be on it. So let's leave it behind the curtain. No one needs to know. We don't need to taint it. <laughs> yeah. Um, How would someone describe you if your life was a movie and you were the main character? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Someone being like a friend or family? Yeah. Anyone? Someone that you like, someone that really likes you. And like loves you, <laughs> so not an enemy. Okay, if, I, if I was in a movie and I was the main character, 
I would say like super friendly, bubbly. Like I would probably have a strong girl group in this movie, strong girlfriends, um, adventurous, traveling a lot, um, well-dressed, creative, and I don't know, perpetually on the hunt for love. <laughs> Ooh, sister. I don't know about about perpetually but want to drop the digits <laughs> I would agree with all of those things something okay. so funny and I don't think we mentioned this at the beginning of um the, of this chat is that we met through our friend Bridget who I grew up with in middle school and then I moved away from where she was living and then she moved well I think you, did you already know her before that or did you or did you become close with her in high school high school so then Bridget lived in North Carolina where I was living in middle school and high school, then moved back to Naples where Colette was living and became friends with Colette. And then we met at Bridget's bachelorette party. So shout out Bridget. Thanks for connecting us. (laughs) Um, The last question is something that you're currently obsessed with. So this could be a show, a book, a movie, music. It could even be food. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm kind of always obsessed with this, but I'm, I've really been leaning more into going to my farmer's market every Sunday, getting a bunch of seasonal food, and then like trying to make as many recipes throughout the week as possible with like what I can find at the farmer's market. It's been so fun, but I'm like gorging myself on food. It's ridiculous, Um, but it's really amazing. And it's a challenge. It's fun. I love it. I've been seeing all of your pictures that you've been posting of these of these meals have you been posting on instagram is that what i'm seeing yeah yeah well i i think i i went hard on it last week i think i made like four or five different maybe three or four different recipes with what i had it was fun that's so creative and fun i I always ask daniel i'm like would you be so happy if i was like the best cook ever he's like yeah i'm, I'm like sorry but it's fun i don't even feel like i'm that good of a cook like it doesn't come super naturally to me you know how some people can just like see what they're making and then be like okay this needs six ounces of Worcestershire sauce to make it like delicious who knows I my brain doesn't work like that it takes a lot of like I follow recipes and have to do a bunch of trial and error but I've been like investing a lot of time into trying to learn how to cook and start being good at it and I think over the past couple of years it's definitely turned into more of a passion and I've gotten better at it and it's always a challenge and I like the challenge and it's fun and I like to feed people. So yes, yes, clearly that's your mission. <laughs> I, I agree with that because I'm not the way that's way either. When we went to Asheville, like last year, we made it like a goal to make a lot of our meals at home and make things that we hadn't ever made before. And we baked like a, a banana bread together. That was like a healthy banana bread and I mean, I've baked banana bread before, but just doing it together, Daniel and I, and like cooking something new every night, I was like, this is so fun. It's something that we can do at home, but we don't do it. And it just gets you to do something with your hands. It's creative. And then you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yeah. It's not expensive. It's fun. It's bonding time. Like, yeah, I love it. Me too. Well, thank you so much for coming. Pimp yourself out. Tell us where we can find you on Instagram, cultured, your personal, everything. Yeah, my Instagram is at cultured underscore ATX. That's for the business. My personal Instagram is at Colette Wetzel. Um, 
yeah, you can find all things foodie there. You can find all the links to my website and all that, all of that stuff. I may or may not be starting a Substack soon, TBD. Um, I'm really into writing, so I feel like that's kind of a new avenue that I want to do some longer format things there. Um, but for now, that's that's not. It's just in the seedling phase. Um, but yeah, so you can find all the links to my website and all that stuff there. Yay! I can't wait for that. Yay! Thank you. Yeah. I'll- <laughs> thank you for having me this was so much fun so much i fun. loved it <laughs>